spidey senses tingling. The host who's suddenly a certified paralegal when it comes to transporting themselves to and from our new meetup. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 158. Welcome to the show. Uh, talking about comic books. Yeah, that's all there is to it. Uh, we do a book club later in the show, and this book club, X-Men, No More Humans, Uh, welcome to the show. Big show. Biggest show we've ever done. Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. No dispute. Um, that voice you just heard is one of the three hosts, the three remaining living hosts of the show. Um, rest in peace, Mark Farrington, former host. Dale underscore A, fave phenom, his eminence... Uh, he's been called Cardinal Andrews, <laughs> His Excellency of Podcasting. Rumor has it he was just on another podcast, and that's going to be dropping soon. Who knows? I'll tell you uh, who does know. Who? The creators of the Earwash podcast is a podcast about podcasts. And uh, you know what? They, they managed to do it. They, they got something on me. Can't talk about it, but they managed to blackmail me into doing the show, <laughs> even though I've taken that vow of silence. Podcast assume, silence. Uh, they refer to you as His Eminence the entire time. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yet I spoke I spoke like the corrupt uh, religious figure in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> of course. We would yeah. expect nothing less. Right. Uh, anywho, Dale underscore I welcome to the yeah, show. It boils it down. It's me, and it's great to be here tonight. Great Absolutely. to be here. Yeah, your hair looks fantastic. If I may, be so bold. Thank you. I uh, it's getting. I guess by this time of night, it kind of tames down a little bit. But when I try to do it in the morning, at this length, the sides are pretty unmanageable. So it looks like I have two different hairdos: a, a gelled, <laughs> done up top, and the sides just kind of stick straight out. Like some kind of creep. So I'm I'm planning on getting it cut tomorrow, but I don't. That means I won't get it cut for another three weeks. Stay tuned for podcasts about hair, starring <laughs> uh, His Eminence, Dale underscore. But we have one more host. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, he has been voted hands down least popular host in show history. Um, voted most unpublished writer in show history. Um, he's a father, he's, he does the synopsis on the show for the books. Um, <laughs> please don't stretch yourself. It's, uh, it's not really Jones- that big a deal. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer. It's, uh, it's a real treat. 
for me to be here with you. If only I believed any of what you just said. Uh, although he, I will take uh, my throne as the least popular host. Don't forget, he did put on a, a live concert via satellite to one POTUS himself. <laughs> And the president's uh, staff members. Yeah, she was yeah. having a Diet Coke, I believe, much like myself back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, go to go to the at Slim Twitter to see the hot off the press via satellite concert of Jonesy Loves Beer in a wig singing to the president of the United States. Uh, Paper cake trivia. I believe I'm wearing the same shirt uh, <laughs> tonight as I was in that seven-year-old photo of me. <laughs> Uh, big show, the meetup, the paper keg meetup, third mm. annual. My heavens. My gosh, Barcade Philadelphia. We're going to be there s- just throwing them down. Mm. Rumor has it our wives might not even be in the same city. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Right? <laughs> that was an obscure one. I don't know that one. Uh, uh, I didn't know either, but the right. Just dial me right into your sense of humor there, Dale. Perfect. <laughs> right? It's going to be a big event, July 19th. Um, we'll be there just drinking, and everyone else is invited if you want to come by and buy Dale a drink. We want to get Dale so S-faced that he will be somersaulting into traffic. Please. <laughs> but uh, I will only against any sort of, uh, you know, I will use my judgment, and if I think it's going to be entertaining... I would probably somersault into traffic, but only if I thought it would be good at the time. Are you going to drive down and just sleep in your Jeep? Like if it gets too hot to handle, too cold to hold? Lay it on us. Um, Yeah, if if my wife does not come, I will be driving an hour from the south into Philadelphia, no holds barred. (laughs) When When I strap myself back into the car... And I head on home. What a night. What a night to remember that's going to be. I can't wait. It, uh, my car will probably look like an air hockey puck going down the roads, just <laughs> banging off of the <laughs> If it's a good night. If it's a good night, it will. Well, this, well, I hope you're happy because now this is admissible into court. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, this is Exhibit A. Oh, man. So that's July 19th, less than a month away. And t- tonight we'll be doing No More Humans, the first X-Men OGN since God loves, man kills. Um, next week, we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to announce the next three shows, book clubs, right now. Wow. Why? Yeah, we, we really out, have to. Out of left field. God, it's just, you know, if they're just too big. We need to talk about them right now to get people prepped, primed, oiled up, and ready for these book clubs. Well, you know, concert aside, it's the first thing Barack asked Jonesy. Yeah. <laughs> because these were being teased on Twitter so vehemently that uh, he needed to know how we were going to handle the situation. Well, what, what I did today was distract him with my uh, vocal stylings, but then right. I guess we're just, that was for naught, because we're just going to tell everybody right now. Yeah, Barry's a big paper keg fan. That Everyone knows that. <laughs> Barry, Barry Obama. 159 next week is going to be a big one. We're just getting ready. Mm-hmm. Godzilla Half Century War. Boom. There you have it. You guys James Stoko. Get, get ready to get stokoed up oh, your God. rear wazoo right now. 
it's going to be a big show and this is this is just the this is the appetizer mm-hmm. yeah one one sixty you know we did a couple shows in the past where Jonesy had a show he picked the book club yep I don't know what it was uh, who cares right <laughs> Iron Fist <laughs> Dale did a show he hosted it uh, most downloaded is, show of all time probably I mean the downloads were through the roof. I had to call our download company and ask mm-hmm. him if it was legit. Uh, the ticker take came across. We the had wire to ask if the they numbers. would up the. We had to up the bandwidth just for that couple days. Yeah, I was on the. I was on the horn and I was just doing the thumbs up motion while I was talking to him. Just jack yeah. it up, jack up the bandwidth. I heard that you put in a ticket, some kind of service <laughs> ticket. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> One sixty. And 161 will be the bookends of my podcast life when I think about it. You know, when I'm at home and I'm combining vodka with Minute Maid Berry Punch. Hold on, hold on. Oh, boy. Bex, Bex, sit down. Uh, I know you're up at the counter making hot tea, whatever you're doing. Jonesy just sit making, down in a comfy chair. Jonesy making inside jokes. I hope everyone knows who Bex Gordo is. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they've so, shut Who doesn't? Off. If they watch the feed, who doesn't know? They're lowering the bandwidth right now. <laughs> the ticket probably got thrown out. Episode 160 and 161 will be both library editions of Fear Agent. 160, 160 Fear Agent, Library Edition, Volume 1. 450 pages. Boom. Oh there it is. Jun- Jonesy's and Dale's cheeks are now mm-hmm. cemented shut from that. So like uh, about 4,000 pages we got to read by next week? One six one sixty one Fear Agent Library Edition Volume Two, mm, over five hundred and fifty pages. <laughs> Pressing flowers right now. Just a uh, hundred pages a night, no biggie. Uh, so those will obviously—I don't have to mention—but those will be book club episodes. No other book will be talked about. Period. So no, I mean, I'm, we, it, it's hard to come to words with this announcement. It's going to be it's going to be tough to to keep any sort of time constraint. I got to tell you, I mean, we're just probably going to blow. I might need to upgrade the RAM on my computer just to edit the thing. Yeah, so I'm going right. to make a challenge to you, right here mm-hmm. on the era. Uh, slapping my gums as hard as I physically can. I challenge you to do the synopsis. Maybe oh uh, maybe Why write a nice little love letter. Oh my gosh summarizing what fear agent means to you and uh maybe maybe the audience at large will understand where you're coming from i mean that's fine i just have to pull the papers out of my journal and i'll just read from there <laughs> dear diary <laughs> oh I, day or, three or you know what instead of that yeah What is that even from? 
That sounds like it's from Mad Max 7. Is that more ABBA? Is that what that is? You bite your tongue. That is from... <laughs> that is Tangerine Dream and John Anderson from the Tom Cruise vehicle Legend. Oh, okay. my gosh. And that just that I just synopsized two episodes of Fear Agent right there. <laughs> That's it. If, if, maybe we can just watch Legend right afterward. We'll do a thousand pages oh, 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 of Heath, my gosh. and then do a, a Legend episode. That's probably based on an unproduced comic book. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I think people would poop their pants if they actually uh, witnessed us do it. <laughs> the the book lover. We need to, we're running out of tape. We need to. We right. just announced the right. biggest shows in history. The Legend soundtrack will be coming with us. <laughs> Fear Agent back to back, one sixty and one sixty one. Jonesy loves beer. I, I, I can see that. you reviewing something on your phone. Who knows what? Probably a push notification every fifteen seconds that you need to <laughs> see what people are faving, see what people are talking about. If you're loved, what did you read this week? Uh, I just keyed up. Sorry, this is just John Anderson is probably more popular than Jonesy is. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. New host, John Anderson. I've had a good run. Or have I? <laughs> should, should I go? I'm, I'm, in, I'm literally scared to death. You could go. Just start I'm to done. talk again. I'm probably done. Yeah, I'm probably done. So I queued up a book on my iPad here. Dale. To be loved for goodness sake. <laughs> All right. It's a new title by uh, Kirkman, Bobby K. Oh, we call him yeah. here on the show. I'm screwed. I'm screwed uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> and I've decided to not review that book. No, you could do it. We. I think I read something else. It's good. Uh, this kind of, this kind of improv is good for the show. Let's just play in the entire Legend soundtrack for the next 20 minutes. We'll be good. Uh, Outcast. You know, it's the story of a young man. Uh, not a lot going right in his life. He's an outcast, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, finds himself working with a, I don't know if, you, if the word is defrocked priest. Is it defrocked? No longer holds a frock. I think, I think it is defrocked. Uh, and uh, you know this this priest, this old priest, is going to perform an exorcism. Yeah, there's a young teenager in need needs help, and uh, this outcast uh, is not only giving the s end of the stick by life. He is also well known by the exorcist demon world. Oh. And by helping this old priest, he steps into a dark path to which he thinks will lead to redemption. It's very good. Very good stuff. Very, uh -huh. 
<clears throat> Very, uh, it reminds me of the feeling of the first volume of The Walking Dead. Wow. That feeling that a fresh laid snow of mm -hmm. anything is possible. Outcast, what a time to be alive. Uh, I strongly recommend you pick it up. Uh, you know, urban fantasy is a thing that's exploding right now in popularity, much like last year's Steambunk. Yeah, that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a word. So I think uh, I think you should pick it up. I think we'll, you'll be pleasantly pleased at uh, what you're gonna find. Outcast. Yeah, I really like. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, the um, Taylor Taylor Five ties at my work. Before I read it, he said um, he said I should really like it. It's about some tortured father right up your alley. That's your shtick. <laughs> so I chuckled at him, and uh, sure enough, I read it. I really liked it. I was actually really surprised. I didn't like the what is this Thief of Thieves? Is that what his other book was? Kirkman. Yeah, he's just kind of like a showrunner now for. It. But I really liked Outcast. And the um, the, or, the 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 big hubbub on the internet is that it had more orders than the most recent Walking Dead issue. I believe so we'll, it. So we'll see if that like keeps up. But that's a great start because I think Walking Dead still sells a lot. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it's but it's I mean it's riding high on you know Robert Kirkman image number one. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much like. The, the the image number ones that came before it was the fresh laid snow for Outcast. I mm. picked it up. I didn't get to read it yet, but I'm ex I was excited to read it because the I was piqued by the uh, the premise and the um, preview pages. Yeah, something to look out for when you read is the letters. I was actually so enamored with the lettering that I I found the uh, the letter on Twitter and I I said it was I said I was it was great. I don't think I've ever done that. Wow. Yeah, lettering. Yeah. Blew me away. There was, a, there was a couple other instances where, where the lettering was really cool. I'm trying to think now of, of books we've done, but you know, whatever. Probably not possible. <sighs> um, here we go. Going mm -hmm. to my backup plan. You know, don't have a lot of time to read. You know, I'm just I'm blowing through Nightfall. That's not really reading. I'm just kind of like paging through, mm -hmm. living living through the '90s wow. when that came out. So no Actually, book club for Nightfall then. Uh, I don't. It, it's weird because the, the Nightfall volumes are there's like three volumes and they're 600 pages each. So I'm not sure if we would Let's ever do it want to next week. Let's oh my it. gosh. <laughs> Geoff Johns. Oh boy. You heard of this guy? Mm, I want to hear about your thoughts. If you know, you're going where I think you're this going. is. You know, we we talk about it all the time. It's the summer of paper keg. Unprecedented title. Um, but it's the summer of Superman, conversely. J.R. J.R. and uh, Klaus Janssen, the dynamic duo of art. Good grief. Uh, they're teaming with Geoff Johns to just knock it out of the park with a new Superman title. This is the title that DC Fit New 52 should have started with, in all honesty. Agree. Agree. So, well, yeah. okay, that was a big inhale. Go ahead, yeah, please. I, well, no. You haven't even gotten into it yet, but you're you're probably right. But they can't just I mean they can't just keep riding the Jeff Johns wave like he and uh, he's he's excellent. You know what I mean? He's excellent. 
but, but even even you so, can't do it all. Somebody that's not Jeff Johns could have easily come up with this this storyline. Yeah, re- yeah, I was reading it, and I'll talk about it in a second. But I was okay. reading, it, I was like, man, I mean, anybody could have come up with this, and it would have been a great idea. Mm-hmm. Not okay. to say that Geoff is just some run in the mill schlub that doesn't have right. his own podcast. You know, the AC Ancillary Characters Podcast slash Jeff Johns Podcast. Oh yeah. It's a um, summer of Jeff Johns over there, if you guys want to check out. It's a summer of a lot of things. <laughs> so the book opens up with 25 years ago in the past, these scientists are working on some kind of, some dimensional thing. And it's it's broke its containment unit. You know, kind of similar to the beginning of uh, the new Godzilla movie. So Spoilers. spoilers. The movie was a mess. I don't worry about it. The um, So it's all hex breaking loose. They're locked in. They can't get out because this thing, this dimensional thing is so powerful that they need to contain it. They need to destroy it. And then so these scientists are stuck in there. And they're like, oh, this is it. This is the end of us. And then the one parent is like, but what about our boy? And they whip out this duffel bag and their old babies in it. And I was like, oh, man, this is similar to how Superman started. It's like a new kind of take on Superman's origin. So... They put the their kid in this little rocket and they shoot him into this dimensional portal, and that this their only hope of saving his life, as this whole thing is getting shut down. So it's a really cool kind of hmm. mirror image of Superman's origin. And then flash forward twenty five years, Superman's you know, he's apparently he left the planet and he's doing his own website, and he's making sick bang from Clark Tropolis or whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> And uh, the soups report. So, I, I think the, it's this. Yes, the big soups. right wing, big right wing, the Daily Beast or whatever. Red flag. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um. So at the end, there's this alien that shows up out of nowhere, and Superman's getting his butt whooped, and this other dude sh- comes out of nowhere, and he's like a Superman esque guy, and he Superman is like, Where, "Who are you? Where did you come from?" And then the guy was like puzzled that Superman speaks English and then he realizes that he's on Earth and it's this it's the kid that they sent into this dimensional portal. He's back on Earth. He thought Earth blew up. He didn't know Earth still existed. And now Superman and him are, you know, face to face and it's this really cool meeting of a new character in Superman that's just like, you know, why haven't I read a story like this before? Mm-hmm. And it's just a great fun, you know, kind of fresh start for Super- Superman if you don't read it. Wow. Cool. Can I can I make mention of something? A feeling that I got from the cool. the ether of this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was. I don't know if it was out of place or Jeff Johnsian, but I thought Clark looked a lot like old Fifty Two Clark, and yeah. I thought the B plot was very reminiscent of them trying to get the old. Daily Planet cast back together from getting Clark back on the payroll mm. to him making mention of Lois being, you know, a, a good reporter and, and Olsen is, uh, you know, Olsen trying to now, sell photographs. Well, and not only that, but like Olsen, yeah, there was almost like a retconning happening of New 52 oh. <laughs> where, like, mm. very, very subtly, and Jonesy's right, like, Jimmy Olsen is essentially a millionaire at the beginning of the New 52 and his parents left him all this money, but they're missing. So he lives in a loft, but is ever alone. 
and he has Clark as a friend, but at this one, he's like still selling pictures to Perry, and Perry's even like, well, what are you doing? You don't need to do this. And Olsen is like, you know, my parents, you know, they don't really love me, and as soon as they come back, they're going to want the money back that was left in my name. So this is what I do. And then um, in your head, like, oh, well, I guess that storyline is just kind of a non-issue now. <laughs> and even in that issue, they start an Olsen storyline where they, they he wants to search for his parents, but apparently the firm that will do it for him needs him to sign over all his money for them to do it, which is a really odd little oh, scene. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it felt totally out of place in this but, but yeah, issue of Superman. Yeah, and I guess that they're building that to maybe another storyline. Maybe that the next one is like the search for his parents, and Clark helps him. But he, uh, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that he didn't look like New Fifty Two Clark because I met I noticed that when I was reading it, and it's not that he's like not young; it's just that he's not. He's built boyish. like a brick S house. He's not boyish Clark. That's like Clark that wouldn't wear a suit coat and and slacks. But is that, I, I just is read that Superman Jr., Wonder though? Woman where he was a thin as a skeleton. He was a reedy. And I just read this issue, and he looks like he can bench press a line. I yeah, mean, come I think, on. I think that's Ramita. I, I mean, I honestly doubt Ramita even gives a crap about what happened in the New 52 at this point. He probably yeah. doesn't have time to read it. So I don't blame him for that. But it is an interesting, like, hmm. you know, it's yeah. not like in-your-face New 52, young, floppy hair, unkempt, right. which I miss. I mean, there's a lot in that Morrison run that I really, really, really liked about Clark. But, you know, whatever. They blew it already for that stuff, I think. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, yeah, it's Superman. Great first issue. Definitely buy it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I picked it up. It's my first DC it's first DC by, by book I bought in a long time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dale underscore A, uh, Your Excellency. No red shawl this week. I'm a little upset. What did you read this week? I read Don't... Hit your power button on whatever device you're, especially you guys who are recording with me. Alan Davis and his Savage Hulk, number one, uh, written and uh, art by Alan Davis. And this is a book that um, sort of seems like it sits outside of direct continuity now because... um, What's interesting is when I redeemed the digital code for Savage Hulk number one, I was also given a free copy of Uncanny X-Men number 66. Interesting. Yeah. And it, it just showed up in the, you know, when you go to marvel.com slash redeem. So I read Savage Hulk first, not thinking anything of it, because I know the X-Men are featured in this Savage Hulk issue. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I got a, a free copy of Uncanny X-Men, which was really old. Stan Lee wrote it. But this is a, uh, it turned out to be like a direct continuation of that story, but it also stands on its own. And what happens in the issue is the the original Uncanny X-Men, I guess, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Havoc, Beast before he turns, Angel, uh, Iceman, Lorna, whoever that... Uh, Lorna Dane. Lorna Dane. And they, so it's those X-Men in that time period, but it's kind of written up to date, like there's technology that's utilized today in the in the book, but that's, you know, that's here or there, that happens all the time. But um, there was a device that Banner used 
that he originally tried to invent for himself that was like a, a almost like a microchip but bigger than a microchip that ran on gamma power so essentially it ran on cells that were embedded in his body so it was like a it was like a, a power source that was himself and it ha- tried to help him control the uh the the hulk transformations it didn't quite work but the uh banner offered to give it to the X-Men because Professor X was in a coma, which actually happens in Uncanny X-Men 66 back in the day. And uh, But the only person who knows where it is is Hulk. Banner doesn't know where it is. So uh, Hulk, uh, ba- Hulk and the X-Men basically are like duking it out as they're trying to extract this information from the Hulk about where it is. And they get it. The, and... Um, Professor X kind of off-screen is revived, but at the same time, it's kind of like a, a sets up the story of you know the Hulkbusters and what they do, what the army does, or what you know um, Thunderbolt Ross and crew do to this rampaging beast and this storyline where video cameras called the X Men battling the Hulk, but then uh, later on. They there there are other like tourist cameras that capture the X Men talking to Bruce Banner, so it's kind of setting up the storyline where there could be um you know like are are these collusions? There's this is there like this war going on among the meta humans and stuff like that? But it was really really good. The art was fantastic in it, mm. and I liked it because it was it was different. And at the the last splash page spoilers is Abomination shows up and the basically the x-men are waiting for the hulk to show up I, I can't remember quite why but so they see this green thing like jumping miles towards them and then it turns out to be the abomination and uh, what they think should be the hulk arriving is the abomination so it's like it's it's very old school because it ties into uncanny x-men 66 randomly and it's on old school because the abomination which you know i don't read a lot of hulk but abomination is probably, I guess, a good Hulk. He's like villain. the main villain, I think. Yeah, yeah, but I've never read anything from him, so I'm, 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 I'm actually interested to see where this goes, and I, and I like the old time feel, like the original, somewhat the original X Men team, but they are all the old costumes and everything. That it was really good. Reminds me of like X Men classics or something, you know, where they were yeah. t- tell those tales of the X Men type deal. Yeah, and they had that was like the one with the like the curve. The scripty kind of font on the cover. Yeah, yeah. But I, I recommend it, and I, I'm, I'm curious if you, because didn't you power through like Uncanny X Men one through? All yeah, of I've them? read like all those essential ones, and that's mm-hmm. where I went back on my word, and I used to bash Claremont, <laughs> and then I read those, and I was like, man, what was I thinking? I was a genius. And uh, yeah, so you probably read the issue, but it was you probably. I mean, it was sixty six, so it was probably a fever dream at this point. <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. Of X Men, uh, Cockrum, etc. Stuff, but that's interesting. Yeah, but if anybody's, I mean, I recommend if anybody's interested in picking it up, is it was really really good. Hmm. It's so hot in this room that when I like unlock my iPad or iPhone, my finger just like smudges across, and I can't <laughs> oh, like man. it doesn't slide. It's just like. My finger on hot butter, and it just sticks. Not that I know what that feels like or anything. Right. Lightning just, round. That's what happens when I get done watching Legend. 
with Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, oh, uh, I should Curry. say something. I just got an email. Something just shipped. Oh my and word! Just, just gonna. I'm just gonna say that. Lightning round, most popular segment in show history. Two sentences or less. You have only two sentences to talk about another book that you read before we get into our book club, X-Men No More Humans. Jonesy. Thor, God of Thunder, issue number 23, by dear friends Jason Aaron and Isad Ribic. Elder Thor finally has it out with Galactus wielding the Necroblade. To quote a dear friend, Jason, my body is ready. (laughs) Invincible 112. The ultimatum, if you will, continues through the Invincible universe and no one is being spared. Ryan Otley is a living legend. Lightning, did you see that preview page? Indisputable. Lightning, save my answer for after the show. (laughs) Astro City, number 13. Little snippets of... Unusual stories, all at the run, happening at the same time in it, in Astro City, changing lives of each and every person. These uh, these events affect. Still continues to be my number one book, and this uh, single single issue story arc absolutely reinforces it. You guys should be reading Astro City. X-Men No More Humans first original graphic novel for the X-Men since God Loves Man Kills from the Paper Keg Archives. One of our first episodes ever. I think maybe that was the first one. Or was that the second one? I think it was the second one, yeah. It, it almost doesn't matter because the audio was screwed up for the first two episodes, so just don't even listen to those. <laughs> just trust me. One of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. Always test your audio. That was the last time that ever happened. Yeah. Still keeps you up. It does. I'm probably not going to sleep tonight just thinking about it. I, I kind of want us to just redo those book clubs oh, so man. that we could totally. have... I mean, let's just, I'm just throwing let's out get there. Let's get uh, our deceased host back on the show <laughs> for a redo, a redo of those first was, two episodes. Was he there for the first two episodes? or <laughs> Who knows? I don't even know if Jonesy was there. Could have just been hey, me and Dale. Hey, come on now. Come on. It could Stop. be our, it yeah, could be our version of, like, Paper Keg Classics. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could do the font, font up underneath the logo <laughs> and stuff. Oh, man. So, OGN... You know, this maybe isn't geared towards us nerds. Maybe it's geared towards the Barnes and Noble crowds. You know, they're Barnes drinking their Starbucks, sitting on a couch, reading books for free. You know, that's what I did when I was growing up. Jonesy, what's this book all about? All right, so here we go, guys. Oh boy, 
uh, illegitimate son of Wolverine and Mystique, going by the name of Ray's, breaks into an experimental facility where the creator of a dimensional gate resides. And Ray's manipulates this gentleman into putting every human being, any person on the planet without an X gene, uh, in the extra-dimensional version of the cloud. And the X-Men stumble upon it. You know, Wolverine's school, Jean Grey school, stumble upon it whilst uh, enjoying some recreational activity. You know, Cerebra goes wild and says, hey, there are no humans on Earth. So, you know, they uh, they go to New York proper, which is the first place to look uh, for no humans. And as they arrive, uh, Cyclops and his quasi-evil Brotherhood X-Men appear. And uh, they say, hey, you know, something's wrong. Let's team up. It's a biased state statement, Josie, for, but that's besides the point. What's right. biased statement? Sounds very biased, but... I mean, this is the first time I've ever been interrupted during the uh, synopsis before. <laughs> I don't think that's true. To question, <laughs> question mind biased descriptions. Uh, so, uh, as the two X teams face off, uh, Magneto arrives, and uh, he also wants to join forces to find out just what is going on. Uh, they are able to track down the last remaining human on Earth, and that is the scientist who developed the gate are confronted by Ray's and uh, his new quasi-dimensional team of the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and uh, they are sent. You know, the X Men are sent packing. Uh, they don't have the answers. And whilst this is going on, uh, mutant refugees from all the dimensions in the Marvel U, all the alternate Earths, are arriving at the mansion for uh, refuge. You know, they've been, uh, you know, accosted and persecuted, and only the X-Men can help. And uh, the big ace in the hole of Ray's is he's got a alternate version of Gene. The Phoenix is on his side. And who knows? <laughs> Will the humans ever get out of the cloud? Or is the dimensional technology not even really important in the end? Maybe they'll make a ticket. And they'll get, they'll get them out of the cloud. <laughs> My cloud servers aren't working. Please help. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. No more humans. OGN. OGN. Sal Aroka, who I think, is, who can draw four books a month, I think. I actually think it's true. That guy's penciling like everything. He can, if you need him to. Where to start with no more humans? Dale, I think we have to go to resident OGN specialist, Dale on as, as the uh, the priest in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves would say, you have to look at this at with a clear conscience. I asked him three times to deny it. Um, I don't know, man. 
I think you... I don't know. Maybe it's not for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Here's some... I'm, I'm going to th- just throw some sentences at the wall because I still have... Uh, I have to form thoughts around them and w- when we sp- when we talk it out, that'll help. But... Yeah. Okay, so the new X-Men setup with the uncanny X-Men Cyclops' evil brotherhood, as Jonesy would say... Um, <laughs> I don't think then, I've ever struck such a nerve with you <laughs> as calling Cyclops' X-Men evil. Cyclops is right. I mean, um, that, that is a strong, <laughs> it's a strong... It's a strong phrase. It was. It's very it was. strong. It's leading you. The, the judge would have also asked you to stop. <laughs> it's... Objection book, leading. The I mean, book... Are you, are, yeah. no, sorry. Sorry, I can't get into it right now. It's too much. The book read... Like it was an old book. Agree. Where, and when I say old book, I'm conflicted because if you read an old book and it reads like this, like an old book does, it's accepted. Like Commandy we loved. And when I say it reads like an old book, many conclusions are jumped to with very little plot, moving decisions in that direction between members uh, there's a lot of hi- like hyper conflict between team members um everybody you know not just jonesy tr- literally treats scott like a mass murderer like here's the thi- here's the thing okay i mean th- Scott, you're acting like I put him on the Nuremberg like, trials. Like Wolverine's, Wolverine's X Men, Wolverine's X Men don't agree with Scott. But you can't tell me that no one, like you can't tell me that any of the X Men would be okay with seven billion human beings just disappearing from the Earth, vanishing. Mm-hmm. No, no humans. And the the thing is, it read old because it, and it probably couldn't get into it because they had a page count and whatever, but you didn't ever feel the magnitude of seven billion human beings yeah. vanishing from the face of the earth. Absolutely. There should have been like 20 pages of like people just, from the X-Men just sobbing on their yes. knees in so- the middle of exactly. Times Square, like exactly. grasping the fact that everyone's dead. That could Five have been seconds. a whole issue. Yes, yes, exactly. X-Men hugging each other. As, because that's what the X-Men do. Like, they fight for what's right. So you can't tell me when Scott shows up, five seconds in, they're blaming, they're blaming Scott, Scott Summers. No matter what his views are about, you know, how he looks at mutants and human relations now, they're practically accusing him of creating a machine that kills seven billion people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and just, that didn't he sit ki- right. Yeah, he killed Professor X under shady circumstances. There, I think a leap. There, it's quite a leap to assume that he killed seven billion people, and it was just hiding it from everybody. Right, and, and Scott and Logan, you know, shared a beer in that storeroom. Like they've had civil conversations before this. And, and they I just almost, totally I almost treat have, Yeah, I almost have to stop you on that one because I feel like it tap toes on 
previous continuity mm-hmm. where yes. it kept yes. it kept important stuff, but anything that's minor, you should just ignore. Like that scene, I know you're talking about where they kind of almost hashed it out, but not really, and they had a beer, which is a great issue, but that kind of thing is ignored in this issue. Like they're still like treat each other like garbage. And if that scene did happen, that shouldn't be happening the way it laid out in this. And Magneto, you know, isn't bald anymore, which I'm pretty sure he still is. But he's not. I don't think he's on Uncanny X-Men, but he's not like a villain again. So this is like where it tiptoes a little bit. Like Magneto is kind of the pseudo villain that's on the edge and he's on the line. And then he just kind of goes almost full villain towards the end. Um where where his opinions on humanity is like still in line with the current universe but like he's going to side with he's he's with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and he's going to side with Rays on what he's doing and mm-hmm. thinking that this is a good solution like that stuff like I get, like most people that pick up this book I'm guessing know Magneto's a bad guy so they they're okay with him just being walking the line at the beginning of this. So like, whoa, Magneto's not like fighting them, but he's still a bad guy. So it reminds me like of that original OGN where you don't need to know the storylines going in. If you knew something about the characters, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But then I yeah. also had a problem with that same statement because it it's totally nullified by the fact that there's two X-Men teams and Cyclops <laughs> yeah. is running his own team and is maybe a murderer and the X-Men don't like him, but he has his own team of people that do like him. And then Wolverine is like the headmaster. Like you don't, it's like too much of actual storylines that you're not supposed to think about and get, but we're going to do it anyway. And like, that's where it kind of like tried to do the OGN stuff, but like it brought in too much fluff from the current universe, I think. Right. There's too much continuity. Yeah. Go ahead, Jonesy. I absolutely agree with that last statement because if this is supposed to be an OGN that I'm going to hand to a new reader, let's say. Uh, by the 10th or 12th page where they reference uh, AVX, I, I would be absolutely lost as to what the you know backstory is and why they hate each other. And there isn't much time devoted to trying to solve the problem that they're facing as much as the time devoted to uh, why they hate each other. Which, which is, you, I don't think you can get, you can get a much bigger problem. I don't yeah, think you can tackle it's kind a much of a big problem. deal. Yes, and it's treated exactly. like do the X Men have no human friends? So like you know uh, nobody has anybody that's a human that they're like oh <laughs> f I've known that guy my whole life and he's dead. <laughs> right. But more importantly, I'm a mutant and Cyclops is a jerk. Uh, now now allow me to play uh, a slight bit of devil's advocate uh, before I bash the climax of the book. Uh, Mike Carey is a, in my opinion, phenomenal novelist. Uh, I've read a couple of his novels now. I think uh, his dialogue is great and is great in this uh, OGN. I think the the quips, the exposition, the character voices are all there, with maybe the exception of Cyclops. And uh, for that, I give him credit. But I think he tries too hard to do his Claremontian impression when it comes to overall story structure. Mm-hmm. And the most glaring example is the Phoenix can fix anything. So the Phoenix will fix this problem for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was and, a terrible device at the end of the story. And I can see the only thing, the only credit or excuse I give it is that it was an OGN and a lot of people 
even if they watch the X Men an- the animated series, they know the Phoenix. So right, they equ- they equate the Phoenix with Jean Grey with the X Men. That's the only excuse I can give it. But it's like, come on, the Phoenix. Like, oh, that was another uh, thing. I mean, the time traveling X Men are in this, and they yeah, aren't even Ray's. really explained uh, as to why they're on the they're in the book. Like mm-hmm. there, there isn't a moment where like Beast is like, oh yeah, these X Men, you know, just a reminder, <laughs> nudge nudge. I brought them back from the past into the future. Like I can't imagine being a new reader and be like, why are there two Beasts? Why are there two Jean Greys? And why is Angel in the book for like two panels? Or where's Young Cyclops? If why they brought does, them back, why is Scarlet Witch not saying anything? She's an Avenger and she's silent through the whole book. Yeah, she sits, mean, on, she sits on a stone bench primarily for the whole for the whole graphic novel. <laughs> The uh, I just the mystique was almost an also ran in the in the storyline entirely. I I also just don't even think Salaroka was a good fit for this book. I would have like in my head I tried to picture you know the old Brent Anderson. I think it was Brent Anderson who did the original God Loves Man Kills, which was like a kind of I don't know. I I viewed it as like a washed painting art style. And I kind of was thinking, like, oh, would I like this more if it had a totally different art style? And I think I would have. And it's just, like, there's too many characters. If this was an OGN, and you're not even really supposed to care about continuity, why not just not include the Uncanny X-Men? Just do the Wolverine team. Yeah. Or maybe just go balls out and be like, let's just put Cyclops back on the team. Who cares if we don't have to care about continuity? Put him in his right. old costume. Put him in his 90s costume for all I and care. And for the love of S, why couldn't they just play baseball? Why couldn't I get a Claremont <laughs> oh, in baseball scene? Why, yeah, I was I yeah, was expecting yeah, yeah. that. But also that, why are the kids in the school wearing those leather costumes? They don't yeah, have the old, like a windbreaker uh... that they can put on <laughs> or a polo shirt that is more I, They're wearing the Morrison X-Men jackets yeah, from New X-Men. I, liter- I literally totally thought they were like going through the X-Men's closet to suit up in case they had to fight. Like, and because <laughs> Bru- Brew had like an oversized jacket on. Right, and- he's like gonna go ride a motorcycle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, there's, and even then, the kids like, at some point, you're, you're drawing it like, you know, these kids probably shouldn't be wearing a leather costume. Like, this doesn't make any sense. They should be wearing like skin tight or like Umbros, put them in Umbros in an A shirt, and then it, it's more fitting for me if like they're at the ready. I just didn't understand that at all. It was so weird. Let's let's talk about the one silver lining in this book, and that's Kid Gladiator. Any panel he was in was the most hilarious part. Yeah, Kid section. Gladiator was good, but where was um, what's his face, the punk rock band? Quentin. Where's uh, Quentin? Quentin Choir is that his name? I figured he could have been, you know. Where was he? Like, you could have, in my head, like, you could have eliminated 30 characters and just add Quentin Choir mm-hmm. and just keep the cast down to, you know, a smaller cast. I wonder why he wasn't included. So, like, in, the, in all those senses, I mean, I guess we just know better now because, you know, Bendis writes these gorgeous books on both both sides of the teams, but... Like, the characters quipping at each other and, like, being smarmy to each other, that felt that felt very old school. Mm-hmm. And the uh, jumping to conclusions with no proof or, or any... Or the fact that, you know, the whole thing is solved by just having somebody standing on top of a fence while Ray's is talking to Mystique. <laughs> that was, that like, blo- the worst That plan. blows the plan wide open. 
I can't believe that that plan even worked. The plan was so almost hackneyed. Like I thought that they were gonna. I thought Magneto saying that Raze's plan was good. That was the plan. Like Magneto was gonna infiltrate and then bring the info back to the X Men. <laughs> but that wasn't even it. He was actually agreeing with Raze's plan and yeah, being sucks. a bad guy. <laughs> And then this chick on the Uncanny X-Men was just kind of, like, hanging out. And then, like, they heard her walking around eavesdropping, and that was the plan. That was Storm's plan. Her plan was just, like, let's just lose one member of our team while we're there, and they can just hide out. Storm, who is a battle-hardened tactician who has led X-Men for decades at this point. (laughs) And the spy is, like, just walking on the cinder block while she kicks a can off and makes noise and that's how they discover it. Like, of course, because why would you be careful in an enemy camp and try to get information? I know. I mean, at that point, you could have just shot a Spidey tracer onto Raze's leg and that would have had the same exact at effect. Th- at this point, they should just put Spider-Man in the book because who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man, he, they just left him there in like a corner and he, or he just locked himself into a bathroom and then lo- got out. That was Storm's plan. And totally, I mean, th- I like the new members of the Uncanny X-Men, but uh, triage bringing that guy back from the dead, like, I don't know if that's in continuity either. I, he, he hasn't brought any back from the dead yet. I thought he brought back either old Scott or new Scott. I could have sworn he did in some of the issues that I read. But the 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 part where they brought back that guy that was, like, long dead... Yeah, I think he was, has not been done before because he was like decomposing. Yeah, he and they was brought like, him back. Yeah, he was completely drained of blood. He was Which, like masticated. That one was weird. Like that was a weird, and they tried to like push that hard as like a moral uh, shift for the X Men. Like this is going to have ramifications. And of course, Cyclops is totally cool with it. But I, I, I think like that could have been evil, a cool thing. Like they brought back some guy from the dead to save seven billion human lives. I thought I think that's a cool argument to make, but it it came off like really weird because at the end the guy ended up screwing him anyway, and he was like a, a dumb zombie, and he still ended up I think like screwing the mutants. What are the chances of that happening? You bring a guy back from the dead, and he ends up flipping you the bird still. Yes, yes, <laughs> because that that very well could have happened, but it didn't happen. You know, you know, it's just. Like easy, easily written, easily written plot points that just like sailed through the book and it made you question every mm-hmm. move. But it was just like you take everything at face face value, and that's what it was. And like something like like, and I I, I go back to Commandy because it's one that sticks with me most. But we loved it in Commandy. It was goofy and silly, and that's the way it was. But Your why can't favorite book? Like why can't it's it's amazing, but why can't we give this the same kind of credit? You know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know because I I'm not giving it the same credit either. You're not. You're because, taking big poop on it because it's just it. We know it should be smarter than that, especially coming from the single issues of both Uncanny and All New. What about Ray's um, transporting the X Men into that cloud? But then, yeah, how about a wa- but, how big of a waste was that? But then, even he kind of they made it sound like he wanted to fight the X Men at the end, like he wanted them to recognize him as being this bad A. But that only works if the, he knew that they would get out of the cloud, this mystery, you know, stasis. How oh, did he, right. How did he assume that Beast would be able to backward engineer? 
this teleportation device without oxygen in midair and then and then re-teleport them back to Earth. Like, what are the chances that Ray's is going to be like, yeah, he'll figure it out? No, he was more flabbergasted than the absolutely controllable and tractable Phoenix would turn against him. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't want to come off as bashing that Phoenix again, but... But I mean, no, man, bash. I think, <laughs> but it's weird because we're so negative on it. Well, maybe not so negative, but I, I feel like it could have been awesome. We could hand this to somebody that doesn't read comics, and we could be totally wrong. They could be like, "What was the deal they with could the call two us Jean jaded Grays? fanboys?" They, yeah, they probably would. Like, they could be like, "What's the story with the two Jean Greys? Where can I read more about that? Or mm-hmm. what happened to the Phoenix? And why is you know why are there two beasts? What's the story with that?" And they could be super interested, and we'd be like, "What the f are you talking about? We totally <laughs> just got the different, <laughs> yeah. a totally different vibe." And we were maybe that is the case. Maybe it's all like gangbusters, but and uh, part of that is because like. I know in all new X-Men it's written to where Jean Grey is still experiencing everything for the first time and she hasn't experienced nearly anything about like the Phoenix yet. So if she encounters the Phoenix for the first time there would be just like it would be a whole issue of her in inner monologue which would be great but on here it's just like oh she's she's one with the Phoenix now and they're like and solving things mm-hmm. which is the weirdest conclusion yeah also don't want to be spoil sport but didn't rachel gray get trained by coon loon to defeat phoenix eye and uh basically and we're, brush them off and we didn't like that wasn't even acknowledged the fact that okay yeah. the phoenix is a non-issue you're in rachel gray will, right now will cosmic kung fu that thing to death and we'll be fine between her and hope they should have like double teamed that phoenix Back yeah, to remember uh, Hope. Remember her? Yeah. Who knows Hope wasn't there? No. She's gone. But, I mean, mm. and on the other side of the the story, I, I liked the fact that this earth was now like a sanctuary for all abused and mistreated mutants on, on infinite other earths. I think that was a cool... Yeah, I like that. You know, I think that could have been really cool, but it was just too much for one... It was just too much for one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think that would have been a much better way to solve the no more mutants phenomenon if they let Carrie come in and pitch this as the way for mutants to repopulate is that really refugees from all these alternate Earths rather than just, oh, the energy's back and it'll just, you know, mutants will just start popping oh, yeah. up again. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Hmm. Oh, well, you can't win them all. You can't. And uh, so anyone can. who's going to link Mike Carey's Twitter into this episode, <laughs> Mike, I love your Felix Caster books. Well, that's uh, actually, you know, you, we can get you as a pull quote on the back of the reprint. You can't win them all. That's what Gen Z says on the back of <laughs> right. no more. Or, or just me quoting saying, Mike, comma, I love your Felix Caster books. <laughs> right. There you have it. No more humans. We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To To you Letters at paperkeg.com Boy, we're running running late 
we're, we're at the red line of the tape. And yeah. I just got to tell you, you guys knocked it out of the park with letters this week. <sighs> we got to get through them all. Boy, howdy. Amazing. Amazing letters feedback this week. Letters at papercake.com. We might read your letter on the era just to rehash biggest announcement we've ever made. Fear Agent 160, 161, two episodes, both library editions. Just start reading right now, please. Jesus, help us. Our uh, first letter comes from um, Tom Rankin at That Movie Freak on Twitter, who was very happy to get a shout out a few weeks ago, and now we're just keeping that train of rolling. Hey Keggers, uh, really love the last few episodes you guys you guys have done. The Superman Aliens one piqued no interest, but it did inspire me to buy some plain Aliens material, which I really liked. You should consider it for a book club someday. I know you guys attempt to stay mostly positive, but I'd love to see you three watch and subsequently rip apart the movie Heavy Metal in all its misogynistic glory. Many praise it for its cult classic status i just think it's gratuitous drivel i'd recommend you send off the kids and down a few drinks though before watching it aliens and heavy metal bring up a good question what's an 80s action sci-fi movie not yet in comics you'd love to see get the treatment i'd personally eat up an ongoing mad max uh, by Tom Rankin, that movie freak on the Twitters. P.S. Listen to the Tom Cruise podcast on the Nerdist. Thought it was pretty good, but I see what you, I see what bothered you, Dale. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Dale needs any Absolutely. more validation from the uh, the all listening audience. I mean, that's Fade, total Fina. like the <laughs> the source of all my pain. The past you're, couple, you're weeks. glutton for podcast punishment. I, I, I really am. You, know you should see the iMessages that we just exchange on a regular basis. If we could turn that into a transcript, you know, it, it, might, be, it might be over. It would just <laughs> redacted cast. Dale's unabridged thoughts on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that letter. Uh, yeah, so any uh, 80s movies you'd like to see turn into a comic? Legend. Oh my god, what? Legend is a D&D style comic written by Jim Zub. Jack, you must save the unicorn, Jack. Do it for the unicorns. So, <laughs> such a graceful exit from the song. <laughs> our uh, our next letter uh, has been staring at me from our inbox for uh, three days now, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to read it to you. And oh, okay. uh, the the subject is big big show. Uh, hiya, peakers. Are there any peakers? Of the chosen tribe out there, when Slim kicks off the episode every week, the way he announces the big big show always hits my ear in a comical way. As a German literature major in college, I was forced to read way too many books revolving around the Holocaust. The Hebrew word for Holocaust, Shoah. 
pronounce Shoa. Slim is all about a big, big holocaust. Might have to get my mitts on a copy of Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, and I really enjoyed my BJ this week. <laughs> Love the Shoa, Andrew. And, uh, of course, uh, Andrew is under an anchor, under anchor on Twitter, I believe. Yeah. Negative. That's, uh, no? <laughs> that's <laughs> Andrew is at Indie Android on the Twitter. Uh, Indie heavens. Android, that's the one. I'm sorry. I, I need my wiki up. Uh, Half- yeah, don't even come after me, you, uh, you Holocaust-loving editor-in-chief. <laughs> oh, my god! My goodness. <laughs> First that's of a, all, that's alleged. one half of the uh, earwash podcast, right there. I mean, I could, nice. I could probably sue Jonesy for what he just said right there. Yeah, I could sue you and own your your den, your podcast den, and your Batman. You can have it with my ratty carpet <laughs> and my wood paneling. Little Christian Bale haunting I mean, your I'm dreams, <laughs> walking around here when the lights are off. As I mean, Sting it, plays, it would Puppet be master even, style. It, it would be even worse because I'm obviously Polish. You know, mm-hmm. there it is. Oh Spoilers. Polish. My gosh. 51%. I don't recognize the other 49%. Because people are drunk idiots on St. Patrick's Day. Makes me renounce the whole thing. <laughs> God, you guys are the worst. Uh, next up comes from a friend of the show, Ren Mike D on the Twitter. When do you quit? Dearest gentleman and his eminence, (laughs) I have a comic conundrum. When do you stop having a title pulled for you? Currently, I have about 15 issues of The Walking Dead that have never been read, scattered about different areas of the house. Does this mean it's time to give up? I've been reading it so long, I feel like I want to keep going, but it always just falls by the wayside. What's an appropriate time frame for a breakup? I feel like if I had the reading skills and a time-turner, like at Rebecca Gordon on the Twitter, I wouldn't be having this problem. Thanks for the fantastic show each week, week and peace be with you, Michael. Uh, just for reference, friend of the show, at Rebecca Gordon, read the entire catalog of The Walking Dead in about 28 minutes on a lunch break from work yeah. the other day. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I should also go back to the last letter where BJ was referenced <laughs> and maybe explain that that's an inside joke uh, in and of itself. Book joke. Check out the podcast. Uh, where the hosts have yet to uh, refer to the initials of that. We like to call it book jug, and we will remain to call it book jug because Dead we won't fast. go there. New BJ I don't know. coming soon. I think it is uh, 1984, the next BJ. Um, <laughs> I think it's time you stop getting the book pulled. I don't know. Like, if, if, Unless you have every issue singly collected... Maybe you keep buying, but it's probably I would I would cut it because I have to do the same thing with pulls titles on my pull list very often. But I think that's the sign you're just burnt out, and maybe you'll get back on that horse. And when you do, you might not even go back and read the 15 issues you have laying around. You might just read the latest issue, and you f- you you'll probably just figure you'll catch up in in context of the story. That's the only I mean honestly. Tell you what, I wouldn't one, go back and read one issue. That's where you cut it. I just dropped trees by Warren Ellis. Done. Ooh. Didn't, like, didn't like the second issue that much. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll read it later. See yeah. how it happens. That's how that is how it happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've 
let it go that long. But yeah, I think it's time, Mike. Well, because even if you, even if he did take an interest and want to read Walking Dead again, I don't think he would go back and read what he missed. He would just jump back in, you know. Or you just get the hardcover. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I just uh, loosed myself all over my pub style <laughs> chair <laughs> I'm sitting in. Are you in your sleep shirt right it's now? It's cascading down. <laughs> if you would hit the legend music there, I would have lost it. <laughs> the problem is I'm trying to multitask on this uh on this iPad. But now the iPads are own. Can you even touch the buttons right now? Is there too much surface area covered? It's like congealed butter on that thing. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so our next letter comes to us from the real uh under anchor on the Twitter, uh, right. despite my uh not knowing anything about anything. Uh he says, uh, hey guys, I've been listening to PK for quite a while now and have noticed kegisms slipping into my everyday speech, especially while at work. I'm a waiter, and like any waiter, live it almost entirely off tips. I no longer call it getting stiffed when a customer doesn't leave a tip. I now refer to it as getting hard-ard. Hard-ard. <laughs> Har-har. Uh, if I have to deal with typical customers, the old troll goggles go on. I'm not often that I deal with hard ring trolls, but when I do, thanks to BK, I know what to call them. I have yet to incorporate the Jonesy classic, Eat S and Die, but I'm sure if I'm patient, the opportunity will present itself. Uh, thanks again for the great show and for enriching my vocabulary. P.S. Uh, Michael Fife's Capra is a pretty cool indie book worth checking out if you're not already familiar with it. Uh, thank you, Sean. Uh, and check out his website, uh, www.anchorcomics.com. Yeah, we put... put we did put uh, Copra on the uh, Google Docs. Absolutely, so thanks it has for that. Added. Yeah, thanks for that recommendation. Um, I believe the only problem is, you know, the customer's always right, Sean. So if you ever happen to use Eat, S, and Die, it'd probably be your last day. Yes, yeah. or your you last work. day on a podcast if you insult a decades-old friend of yours. Tell them to die yeah, on their own yeah, feces just for yeah. just for offering <laughs> up a, a you know a, a critique of just asking a question about a certain segment of a show, not even really. Um, talking about it, just asking a simple question about what they did and this, you know, what you would do in a certain segment of the show. With a tone. With a tone. <laughs> I think okay. it wasn't the phrase like never assume ill intent. I think it's the opposite for Gen Z. Always assume <laughs> ill intent. Right. Yeah. That's how, he, that's how he goes through life. Uh, next letter, Dale? Do you have a <laughs> next, next letter is uh, from... Uh, at Rebecca Gordon on the uh, Twitter. Back scored up. Oh, boy. Hey, guys. I had to write in and say thank you for calling out Chapter 8 of Lone Wolf and Cub for being sketchy as F. I'm not going to say that the issue ruined the book for me because I still really enjoyed the rest of it, but I was definitely going doing the equivalent of yelling at the TV screen while reading that part, except that I was in public at a strange Japanese deli Hashtag topical. So it was more like sighing really loudly and stably tapping through the pages. RIP my R- iPad screen and not in the good way. At like least Dale while, just now. 
At least we'll always have the pure gold Photoshop fodder of Ito covering his son's face with a towel to throw into the corner of dramatic pics, though, you know? Also, the quality phrase, ask your own, D-I-C-K, which was from the, the chapter 8 of the book. Regards, Bex Gordo. Yes, I went there. It's happening. She is now acknowledged and calling herself Her proper Bex name. Gordo. There's like a 5% chance I might make it to the meetup. I'll probably be flying to Bulgaria that day, as one does, but I'm still trying to finagle something. You know what would be great, though, given this alleged summer of paper keg and the fantastic Americana-y new art you've got? To have another event later in the summer, a barbecue springs to mind. Hot dogs, beer, a pool if anyone happens to have one. Just throwing it out there, folks. P.P.S. It was physically painful to write such a serious, positive, non-trolly letter. I hope you appreciate my sacrifice. Well, we know Jonesy doesn't. He wants you to eat us and die just for... (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny that she mentions a summer of paper keg barbecue. And hopefully, someone that we know has a pool, because Dale, you have a pool. Thank God, and you've had barbecues there before. Yeah, and you have a big backyard. It's perfect for a party. Look, I, we're just saying. This is, yeah, I know you're just saying. I know my pool's not even open yet because I don't even have time to open it. It's overgrown. It looks like Isla Sorna back there. Site B. <laughs> Mother Nature's taking it back. Well, there you have it. Sorry, Beck Gordon. No, Dale has vetoed any kind of guy. summer of paper keg barbecue extravaganza PK meetup for. You know, I'm just throwing it out there. Who knows? All I'm saying is maybe the hotel at Baltimore Comic Con has an indoor swimming pool because that <laughs> will be the technically end of summer still. And at least two hosts of paper keg will be there. And uh, if they have foot-long hot dogs on the room service uh, menu, well, then there you go. We're almost there. I'm not saying it's out of the question, it but I'm saying like I'm like saying that my kids' birthdays are at the end of August, oh and that will tie me up. Oh, gosh. Dale, your thoughts good. on being a fuddy-duddy? <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, our next letter uh, comes to us from dear friend Chris Miranda. Uh, he says, Oi, keggers. Just finished up another great issue of Magnus Robot Fighter. And I have to ask, is anyone having as much fun as Fred Van Lenting in comics? I mean, given his body of work and how on the nose his ideas are in these new stories, it's obvious that he loves what he does. So there's my question. In your opinion, who's having the most fun in comics? Jonesy, you're beautiful. Uh, I didn't make that up. That's actually written. Uh, Dale, you're my story guru. Slim, nice hat. Thanks for the hours of entertainment, guys. At Chris M. Thinks on the Twitter. Well, thanks, Chris M. Thinks. It's always good to hear from him. Who's having the most fun in comics? He would say Chucky Soul. He's on fire. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that's a good pick right there. That Thank is a you. good pick. I'm hard-pressed to make any other picks after that. Hard-pressed. Yeah, I mean, Charles Soule, as he likes to be called, Charles. Um, Chuck. Chucky Seal, man. <laughs> Fred Van Lenty, though, he he seems to have fun with whatever he does. and they ta- He's like the go-to. They tap him for something, and he is happy to take on the task. But Charles Soule, I don't know if he is going to be in Baltimore Comic Con uh, during the summer of Paper Tag. He's going to be, he, he might a, be he, in the uh, sauna. I don't uh-oh. know. Uh-oh. 
sharing a Siana. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta watch that movie stat to get my fix. Welcome to hour four of Paper Keg. <laughs> to get my fix. We can't even have a fireside. We're at an, almost an hour and twenty right now. I apologize to everyone. I I officially Sorry. apologize for the behavior Sorry. during this episode. I am sweating my ends off right now. I can't even breathe. I guess you just have to blame uh, one Ridley Scott and one Tom Cruise and one Jennifer Connelly for making such a grandiose film. And one Tim Curry. I mean, yeah. come on. Jack. Jack, save the unicorns. Princess Lily. Last email. Close out this fireside chat. The, the hottest fireside chat in paper keg existence. We're not even in fireside yet. I mean, you know what I mean. So I'm just getting around to Dimension Z cap. Mm. Love the story, mm-hmm. but the art falls short here and hang there. Hang up. Hang up on that person. <laughs> End the call. <laughs> Not sure why either, just hit and miss. After hearing the plans DC has for its movies, I'm a little more optimistic for them. A solo Wonder Woman movie might done right would be great. On the TMNT movie episode, I had surgery on my hip, hit a tree while riding my bike. I said I was riding it. I didn't say I was good at it. The movie had just come out on VHS, and they played it for the kids' floor almost nonstop. It was amazing. Still love it today. Later, peeps, at Zola Dragon, King of the Letter Fighters, Dragon Fro. You know, I almost can't even tell if his comment about Dimension Z is a subtle troll. I have my troll dar on, and I can't, I'm not sure if I'm picking it up. Yeah, because he, he's good, though. He slides it in there. But you know who I think might agree with him is Bex Gordo. I think she didn't appreciate the J.R. J.R. Jansen, Dean White, triple threat in Dimension Z. It was, it was an appalling day when she said that. I think she just She's wanted the, to get uh, in her noggin, man. I mean, that's no one, you know, no one can dislike that art. It's un-American. It actually, I think it is actually one of the tests if you apply for a visa yeah. to, to, <laughs> to enter the United States. You know who else on the naturalization exam. You know who else hates that art? Tim Curry's demonic monster <laughs> from the Tom Cruise vehicle legend, Ridley Scott, a little elfin boy who is egging Jack on to save the unicorns, Jack. I haven't seen that movie forever, but I want to say that impression is dead on. I also want to say that. I don't think I've seen it in like 20 years. <laughs> uh one of the greatest shows we've ever done. I might have to dress up like him for Halloween. The dress up like him for uh, PK Meetup 3. Oh, yeah, would you like, please? 
the little elfin boy and just scream around, Jack, save the unicorns! I think we should, all I know. we should try to figure out a good hashtag for the meetup. See what what will be the official uh, Twitter hashtag. Oh, yeah. For the I meetup. So. Jack. <laughs> Big show's coming up. Godzilla, Half-Century War, next mm, week. Oh, God. Fear Agent. Just pour the wine. Get ready. And just get ready to live. It's going to be a night of love. We'll see everybody next week. Fireside ever, and I mean, honest. I thought, I thought it was going to be a short show after I read that that book. I know, I, and now it's turned into one of the longest ones in recent memory. You can cut out all of my um, John Anderson if you want. <laughs> That's going to be the super cut of the episode. Just those segments where you played the music. <laughs> I may have uh, listened to the song for the last two hours of work. And while I was blaring it, and on repeat while I was doing the dishes before the show. (laughs) How come we didn't see any legend gifts? Yeah, what was that all about? I tell you, Legend is a mysterious movie out there. I mean, you can't get the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It's out of print. It's eighty dollars for the compact disc on Amazon. Get the heck out of here! And then one Jerry Goldsmith composer. Composed an original soundtrack for the film that when they took it to screenings and uh, test audiences didn't sit right well with the audience. So they went back, had Tangerine Dream compose the soundtrack, compose the score for it. I mean, it's a why it's I, I don't even know what to believe. I got to get on Snopes.com. Maybe they got something. I saw that movie when I was what year did that come out? First of all, it's like 81. Ooh. I must have seen that when I was like six or seven, and it warped. It, war- it was like too frightening. It like warped me. So I remember bits and pieces of that movie just being freaky. You know, horse oh, eighty-five. Running, Apologies. Horse running through in the forest, all slow motion. It's a fake unicorn poker fl- flying around. They're beautiful though. Like some of the cin- cinematics in that movie are just beautiful. The uni- like it's very sad when the unicorn is dying and the snow Spoilers. is like burying. Spoilers. Him. Oh Jeez. my god. Why well, even bother watching? You guys can sp- spoil other movies. <laughs> you spoiled the part with the unicorn running. <laughs> but if you guys haven't seen Legend, you got to see it. It's beautiful. Ridley Scott, young Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, and uh, I have to watch it now because it has been forever since I've mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. That and Cocktail. Yeah, Cocktail's a good movie. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Jack, 
There it is. I think we should. I, I can't go one minute, one hour thirty. We should just stop. No, let's stop it there. That's it. We'll see Bye you guys. next week. We had a good run. The show's over. Once By the way, we're tapping the brakes after Fear Agent. <laughs>